So we've been spending um, some of these weeks, uh, this came out of talking about uh, the presence of God and, and how uh, we're asking God's presence to be among us, that Moses said we won't travel through the promised land without the presence of the Lord. And Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. In other words, apart from my presence you can do nothing. And it's, it's, a, it's a phrase we use a lot. And we talked about um, a few weeks ago about quenching the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit. And the analogy really was very simple, which was the Holy Spirit is a person. And when the Holy Spirit is with us and he's a friend, he operates just like, well, a lot better than we do often as friends. He's sensitive. He... Um, he comes to us and he offers us things and he is present with us. And um, that relationship, and, and this is the part that's the kicker and it's, uh, we're talking about it every week. Um, the reason we don't like religion is because religion is about a ritual where you come along, uh, you come to God, you, you do what you have to do and then you go back and you live your life. And in my childhood they used to say, well, then you're in the real world. And going to church and stuff is just like fantasy. It's nice. It's a bit of a crutch. And it's, it's for people who don't have a life. And sometimes that was true. But it's not meant to be like that. The, the religion is about how do you please God and how do you keep on his good side. And most world faiths operate like that. It's almost like superstition. It's almost like if I do this and do that, then he will be this or God will bless us or whatever. And when Jesus came into this world, he became, he, he's the, revolu- the revelation from God through Jesus was that he is a father who loves his children, who we are, whether we acknowledge him or not. And his purpose in sending Jesus was to restore a relationship that got a, had got broken. And so the children had become highly dysfunctional and very distorted and very um, damaged. And the children basically were trying to work out life, making the best of it as they could. And uh, the children continue to do that. We continue to do that. We continue to struggle to say, well, what, you know, how would you like to live your life where people would just come in? You know, we had testimonies and people would come up every week and say, you know, when I was with Marianne, I just had this great revelation of Jesus. And we could name anybody here where they just said, you know, the way they were just reminded me of Jesus and touched me. Would you like that? Would you like the one to be, t- you know, somebody said, when, well, when I was with John, I just felt I was in the presence of Jesus. That's really what God meant when he said, you know, when, when God so loved the world, he sent, he, he sent Jesus and the disciples went with him and they walked with him and talked with him. What's that song we used to sing? We walked with him and he talked along the narrow way. Oh my word, I haven't thought of that for a long time. He lives, he lives. That's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> oh dear. Um, so, um, and, and we go, I wish I had been alive then because then I would have been able to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, well, I've, I've, we, we know, the Father, Son and Spirit know that. So the Holy Spirit is Jesus present among us. But the problem with religion is that it is us trying to appease a rather abstract God which fits the bill for lots of people because then I sort of keep God happy and then I do whatever I want, which doesn't really work. I mean, I was very struck reading the report of those boys, the wild boar soccer team who were uh, stuck in that cave for so long, that they went into this Buddhist temple and and spent 10 days there or something. 
and then they got ordained uh, uh, in memory of the guy who saved them. What I'm struck by is the spirituality. Imagine people going through a trauma in our culture and then going to a monastery for five, ten days to, to thank God. I'm just talking about, the, I think their revelation is limited, but I'm impacted by their sincerity and the way that their culture totally respects that, respects that and embraces that. And so God has called us into a place where he says, you know, I, my relationship with you is what's going to make the difference in you and through you in the world in which you live. And so we're talking about these, the presence of God by the Holy Spirit and the presence of God by the Holy Spirit should produce fruit. And it should produce fruit that actually brings life. So I can't produce an apple without an apple seed, apples. And the fruit of the Spirit can't be produced without the Spirit. We can try to. But what we usually do is we end up with what we call hypocrisy. Where we fake it. Where the real thing is, is a beautiful thing. You know, so, so last week we were talking about uh, the kindness of God. And, and how kindness is something that we need to allow God to, to, to release among us much more so. And all these gifts of the Spirit, all these, all these fruits of the Spirit are supernatural. In other words, when my natural thing ends, that's when God begins. So it's easy to have the fruit of the Spirit produced by my own strength when everything's going well and I like you. It's a totally different thing to manifest the fruits of the Spirit in circumstances that are not naturally what I like at all. You have these postcards, for instance, that, uh, you know, about peace, may the peace of the Lord be with you and it's a lovely tranquil scene. And I want to suggest that, no, the postcard should be a wild, turbulent scene. It should be a hospital ward with cancer. It should be something, a storm, and may the peace of the Lord be with you because that's what it means. It means God's presence in the midst of uh, stuff that it, take, it takes us out, takes us down. Charlie Brown and Linus are looking very serious and Violet asks, uh, what are you two standing here looking so worried about? Charlie replies, we're afraid of the future. She asks, are you worried about anything in particular? Charlie says, oh no, we're worried about everything. Linus adds, yes, our worrying is very broad-minded. And we live in a culture where actually worry is, is, is huge. Anxiety is huge. Inner angst is huge. And God comes to us with the Holy Spirit and says, you know, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. What does that mean? Because as the world gives is what? Circumstances that settle down. Circumstances that are in control. Relationships that never go wrong. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it? Enough money so I don't have to worry. Enough holidays so I can relax and get away from it all because that's when I have peace, when I'm away from it all, whereas God says, no, it's in it all that I want you to have the peace. I want you to know me in a way so that you don't have to go on a cruise. You actually know that in you from the inside out every day of your life. You don't actually need a holiday for that. How would that be? I'm very worried. How many of us say that? Very worried. Then you sound very serious and very concerned because if you're not concerned, you don't know what's going on, right? I'm very worried. 
And Jesus says, why are you worried? Well, listen, listen, listen. He says, the flowers, birds, how's it working for you, worrying? Well, I get stomach aches and I have to take pills and I drink and I take drugs. So it's not working. No. And so then we get into this thing of this stuff about Christianity and about the Holy Spirit and these fruit of the Spirit, it sounds nice. And it gives nice themes to songs, but it doesn't change my life. It doesn't seem to work. And that's what I want to sort of explore, because it does work. But it works within some parameters, because God doesn't do magic. And why would Jesus come on earth and say, peace be with you, not as the world gives I? gives you and when the angels appear to everybody they all get freaked out and they always say peace be with you, peace be still and why would he say that if he didn't mean it because as Graham Cook says what happens if peace is like a weapon like my peace is something that comes from the inside out and therefore you can't steal it what happens if my circumstances they can rock me but they're not going to steal my peace and we're going to carry on it, or my joy, or my patience, or my kindness. What happens if I don't have to blame you for my attitude because my attitude comes from a different place? What happens if, like we've talked about this in terms of sickness, when Jesus walked through the earth, they were all terrified of the lepers, and the lepers were on the fringe of society. The lepers could give you a disease until Jesus came and said, I brought healing, heaven on earth. The lepers will now get infected by heaven and will be healed. That's the fruit of the Spirit. What happens if what rises up in me is stronger than what rises up in you that is going to try and crush me? That is when you start seeing a witness to Jesus that says, you're different. I mean, are you impressed if somebody gets off you know, a luxury boat and says, praise God, his favor is upon me? Or are you more impressed by somebody who's gone through something, I'm, I'm just being ridiculous, but gone through something tough and what they produce, what they emanate, you go, how do you do that? If I were you, I'd be freaking out and you seem so peaceful. And I think it's about learning how to enter into the faithfulness of God. Because everything from heaven to earth, everything from the Holy Spirit manifests through earth starts invisible. It starts as an act of faith. It starts as a declaration. And when we go pear-shaped when we start looking for the evidence physically in order to evoke the spiritual. It doesn't work that way. It never does. And Jesus didn't go to the cross and rise again and then pour out his spirit so that we could just be well-behaved. He actually said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. I want you to be visual aids to this world and this valley of what it means to have me living in them. When we look at each other, we're meant to see Jesus, the presence of God. Duke of Wellington once remarked about Napoleon, I used to say of him that his presence on the field made the difference of 40,000 men. The presence of God must mean something. It must look like something. From Monday to Sunday, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, said Jesus to his disciples as he was going to leave and they were going to go through enormous suffering. 
Philippians 4, the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. That's a lot of peace. But what does it mean if you can't think your way through it because you can't wrap your head around the, how does this peace work? Well, peace comes with presence. And presence comes with a person. And a person is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes with Jesus when I open my heart to him and say, Jesus, will you forgive my sin? I ask you to live in my life, in my heart. And I ask you to release all of you in me in a way that I can understand. And he goes, yeah, we can start on that. We will spend the rest of our lives doing that. And so the relationship begins. So how do you get peace that is beyond understanding? you hang out with Jesus who is beyond understanding and talk to the Father who is beyond understanding and receive the Holy Spirit who is beyond understanding. Which means you have to do it by faith. What does that mean? Well, you turn on the TV almost every day. In fact, I know that Tish actually put this on Facebook because I saw it. The keto diet? What is it? Keto diet or something? You know, you... you, you, you you do things because you like the fruit. I mean, I, I looked up, because um, I'm trying to sort of go, I've got to watch weight and stuff. So I started looking at, well, what I like fruit salad. Well, I'm going to make fruit salad. What fruits are, are good, f- you know? And I discovered the ruby grapefruit and blueberries and nectarines are great for that, all kinds of things. They've got tox. I don't understand the language, quite honestly. All the things it does for you. So we eat these fruits. Do any of you eat these things? You know, you have different things because they're good for you and you have this and that and there's... What? What's your favorite? You grow them. Oh, go to Nesgaard's for healthy food. (laughs) Cherries. Anybody else got a health tip on what you eat? Sorry? Spinach. Cucumbers. What's in a cucumber that's worth eating? All right. (laughs) Watermelon. Broccoli is very good for you. There you go. All right. So you've got the idea. So what happens? Because what do you, what do you say? These thi- what do these things do? They, they attack certain things or they release certain things that are good for you. And so what if the Holy Spirit says, munch on me? How can you have peace if you don't have the fruit of peace to, to eat? You see, I think one of the things that we get challenged by is that God isn't into magic which is really irritating because I'd rather just say, Father, I just want peace. Thank you very much. I don't feel peaceful. It doesn't work. I've asked him for peace and I don't get peace. I ask him for joy and it's the last thing that I get. What's the problem? There you go. We're looking for the thing, not the person. Very good, Delphine. When you plant an orchard or plant a garden, what do you have to do? Do you go outside and say, lawn be mowed, weeds jump out? Hallelujah. Jesus, I'm praying. I'm praying for the bugs to leave. I'm praying for the grass to grow and then not grow over summer so I don't have to mow it. Lord, I pray that these weeds will wither and die. It would be great, wouldn't it? But it doesn't work that way. So what do you have to do? You have to get to work. So, what if that's the same principle with the Holy Spirit? 
that God places the Holy Spirit in us and then he says, let's get to work. And there are two conversations that take place with the Holy Spirit in us and the Father and the Son. And that is, um, if we're going to grow peace here, some of this anxiety might need to move. What are you anxious about? And so there's a conversation that goes on between us and God. We say we don't hear God and he says, well, start talking with wherever you are, wherever your reality is. Start talking. Because the Holy Spirit cannot give you what there is no room to embrace. All the fruit of the Spirit are the result of growing within. They're the result of things being planted and then things being able to find life that bring expression and sustenance. It's not about knowing it. Let me show you an example. And I've got my little bag. This is grass seed. And it says it's for overseeding a lawn. And it says it's a blend of creeping red fescue and improved varieties of perennial ryegrasses for rapid germination and establishment of fine treated lawn for overseeding existing lawns to thicken the turf and it covers about 200 square feet. And there's a whole lot on the back here about oh, you have to prepare it? You've got to remove debris, add necessary soil, rake firmly, suggest to add a root fertilizer, ensure adequate drainage. You've got to mow closely the new lawn, spread topsoil, Apply seed, lightly rake, lightly roll, water. Keep soil moist for 10 days. And then so in May and June, and there's a lot of work and I had to pay 20 bucks for it. And it doesn't even look like lawn. This looks nothing like lawn. It's brown. In a bag. So I want to suggest that this is how the Holy Spirit works. This is the Bible. The Bible is the instructions we read. It's not the reality. Goodness me, I've just noticed Max and Sue, you're not sitting in your right place. I'm totally disoriented. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is in a bag. This This is the Bible. The Bible is about the promises of God and what you do. So I say, Father, I pray, bless you for the seed. Thank you. Uh, we just thank you that you are a God who is seed bearing and seed sowing and seed reaping and we thank you Jesus and I ask you to give me seed that I can sow and, and then I walk around with a bag. I'm in believing the promises of Jesus. I'm walking around with the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that you give me peace. He says you've got the fruit in a bag. Well, Jesus, you do it. Father, I'm believing you for this lawn. He says, we're co-laborers. What's the problem with being a co-laborer? I've got to do stuff, but I also have a responsibility. Well, I don't know about that. I'm just believing you. I'm going to write a song about grass seed for Jesus. Maybe we'll sing that and that'll take root. I'm being silly, but The point is, I think we're often disappointed because we hold the bag or the Bible and we hold the promises, but we never let the seed out of the bag. How does that work? Well, you've got to sow it. 
learn from this. It's a simple example. This grass seed looks, looks nothing like grass. When God releases things into us, sometimes they look nothing like what we're asking him for. The chances are that the seeds of peace are disturbance and fear. The chances are he's going to actually teach us about peace in the midst of storms. And because we don't see the seed looking like the peace we think it should be, we actually disregard it. And so Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. It's going to look like nothing you've ever seen before. And you go, well, I'm not experiencing any peace. All I have is trouble. And he says, well, my peace is coming to you from the inside. Well, I don't feel peace. Start receiving it. So what does that mean? It means if I want peace, as uh, Delphine reminded us, I need to stay close to the gardener. I actually don't need to pursue peace. I need to pursue Jesus. I don't need to pursue the thing I'm after so much as the person who brings it. So what's the issue with the, 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 the seed? Well, the seed has to be scattered. This thing has to be torn open. And then it has to be scattered. And then it has to be looked after. And the question that I want to suggest to us when we're looking for the fruit of the Spirit is what part are we playing in the producing of this fruit? Because God doesn't do magic. And the reason sometimes we're not experiencing more of Him in our lives is because we're lazy. We think He's going to do it all. Remember Jesus talked about scattering seed. Imagine if you came in on Monday morning to the church and I was in the parking lot scattering the seed and you were going what are you doing? I said well I want the lawn to grow here on the parking lot and then I put sprinklers up and a sign saying please don't disturb growing grass you go he really needs to leave <laughs> I like now why? you don't put seed on parking lots, why? because there's no ground for it to create in. so God turns around in my little humorous way and he says so why are you scattering seed on a hard heart? How come you're asking me for things over here, but over here it's so hard I cannot penetrate? If we're going to do this planting and reaping and sowing, you've got to let me in. And you've got to let me dig stuff up. And you've got to let me work with you so that we can produce a harvest. You can't cherry pick. I mean, what do you do in a garden? Do the dandelions get up and argue? And you say, well, all right, you can stay. No, you say, Out. And I put vinegar because Micron gave me this massive thing about how to hit them with vinegar and dish soap, Dawn, that's right, and uh, Epsom soap. You see, they all know how to kill these, these weeds. I've got a brown desert right now. It smells of vinegar. But it's still growing. It's the trouble. It, just, it sort of works. Anyway, you do battle so that eventually something will grow. And the same is true in the spirit. What does the presence of God do? The presence of God, the first thing he does is if we're, going to, if we're going to sow peace here, I need a fertile, I need a place that's receptive to my peace. I need a place where I, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to show you the things that are getting in the way of the peace that you want me to give you. How do you have a soft heart toward God? You're open, you're humble, you're teachable. You go, you know what, there's a lot of anxiety here and he starts saying, well talk to me about your anxiety. I want to weed it out. And anything else that gets in the way of peace, anger, 
bitterness, whatever it is. He says, what is that growing in here for? Well, this is why, and there's always a good reason. And he says, take it out. I'll reseed the whole area, but you have to work with me. I'm not working anyway. I work with you. That's what co-laboring is about. That's why, how do you take things out that aren't meant to be there? It gets in the way of the Holy Spirit doing its fruitful work. It's called, begins with an R. What? What did somebody say? Repentance. Repentance is an awful word. Or it's just a spade that you dig the crap out of. It's a gift. Do you know when your heart is hard? Do you know when it's soft? Do you know when you're open? Do you know when you're closed? All of those things relate to how the seed germinates. We want the presence of God. The presence of God is active and living like a two-edged sword, the Word of God. So to be supernatural, the supernatural gardener has to work. Does that make sense? So peace is a weapon. In Acts 16, Paul is in, uh, in, in Acts 16, let's just turn to it quickly. Paul is in, in jail. These disciples are amazing because they demonstrated what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. And where did they demonstrate it? They didn't demonstrate it in a banquet. They demonstrated it in the, in the trials they went through. Paul and Silas were in prison. Lydia had just got converted. It was a, a, she was a, 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 not a respectable, she was an affluent businesswoman. So her conversion was quite significant in the culture in which they lived. And then they were going down to the place of prayer and they were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future and she earned a great deal of money for her owner by the fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She was actually testifying who they were and kept this up for many days. Eventually Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. In that moment the spirit left her. And when the spirit left her, the gift, the gift that had been hijacked left her and the guys who were using her to make money were furious. And they seized Paul in silence and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for, the Rome, for us Romans to accept or practice. This is the gospel not being politically correct. This is Paul dealing with conflict or dealing with setting a woman free who is being used, but in doing so it's going to create a lot of strife and he's going to pay the cost of it. This is not peace on earth. It's peace from heaven that comes actually through conflict, through an encounter of supernatural between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of, evil, uh, king, uh, the kingdom of light. Peace is going to come, but it's going to come on the back of some hardship. The crowd joined in, attack, uh, in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's first century Christianity. People filled with the Spirit, anointed by Jesus, poured out and being used. If I had been there, it probably would have been, I don't like this at all. They wouldn't put me in the Bible. It's not fair. We were just trying to serve Jesus and try to help this woman. And now look, Lord, where are you? But I'm jealous for their testimony. 
What's their testimony? Bleeding backs, in stocks, totally wrongly treated. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And then there was an earthquake. The foundation of the prison was shaken. The doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. God must want us all to be free. So let's run for it. Praise God, he set us free. And Paul says, no. Not one of you going to leave. This is not for our freedom. It's to witness to the jailer. Because if we let go now, the jailer's going to die. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then says, sir, what must I do to be saved? I think the world is hungry for seeing people with a different spirit, a different way of behaving. And that will lead to the question, who is Jesus? How do you do this? Why do you do this? It doesn't make sense. Too often we've got too many words, but the life isn't a testimony too much. The Holy Spirit filled them with a peace and a joy and a confidence in the midst of turmoil. And things happened. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And so it goes on. James 1 says, Consider it all joy when you encounter trials. Jesus before Pilate. And Pilate says, I have the authority over you. And Jesus just looks at him and says, You only have the authority that God has given you. A perspective that is so much bigger. In Luke 12, you see, I think we have this idea that to follow Jesus and to be filled with the Spirit is all peaceful. It's not. There's lots of conflict. There's lots of stuff going on. And it's how we turn up through the conflict that is the testimony to where Jesus really is. Luke 12, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring division, which because, well, I just thought you said you're going to give us peace. I have come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it were already kindled but I have a baptism to undergo. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. And what's he saying? I think there's two levels here. He says, when you are filled with me and filled with my spirit and filled with my peace, there's going to be conflict because there's another part of this world that needs to be conquered and they're not going to go easily. They're going to crucify me. So peace is not about necessarily everything going well it's about how do we show up when it's not going well or even if it is going well how do we show up what do we manifest you can't fake something that's beyond understanding when we try and do it within our understanding what happens it's conditional it's got boundaries it's got limits when it's beyond understanding you go beyond your understanding I don't know why I'm this but I'm sensing this but we have to water and nurture the Holy Spirit. This doesn't just happen. The seed within us that is God and His presence and His Holy Spirit has to be nurtured. This, has to, this lawn has to be watered. Keep it moist for 10 days. What does that mean for me and the Spirit? I've got to nurture it. How do I nurture the Spirit in me? How do I nurture so the fruit grows? I stay friends with the Holy Spirit. When I don't stay friends with the Holy Spirit, I grieve the Holy Spirit. And what happens in all of this? God is saying, well, you said I'm Lord. 
this is what my being Lord looks like. How you behave, how you turn up, how you treat me, the Holy Spirit, how you listen to me when I want to weed, not just bless. What's our relationship like in all its fullness? How are you taking responsibility for nurturing our relationship? Or are you, there's an advert that's on TV now, it's about somebody comes up to their neighbor and gives them a whole lot of orders and then they walk off and they say, you don't treat your neighbor like that, this is an app. You don't treat them like an app. Which is, uh, people can't do things that our app can do. We get to that part where we read about Jesus and the storm. And they're going across the lake and this is very well known. And they start panicking. And they're seasoned. Most of them are seasoned in terms of the waters. But the winds blow quickly coming off down from Nazareth they, they come down onto the Sea of Galilee and whip up a storm very quickly and Jesus is with them in the boat and he's sleeping in the back and the disciples are saying why don't you care and he says in, in essence why do you care so much why are you so afraid I am with you and I, I, I am resting in my father these are just winds and waves and they are learning how to walk in peace. And they haven't got it yet, which is all of our journeys. You learn by what you learn in the midst of the storm. You don't learn by reading about a storm. You learn who you are, and you learn who f- what your faith is like, and you learn how the Holy Spirit really is in you when you're in the midst of challenges. And sometimes that's awkward and sometimes that's embarrassing. I thought I was further along than this. But the way to get further along is to go, well, I guess this is where I have to learn something. Our default tends to be, I am further along and if you actually treated me nicer, then I would be further along as your fault. So we blame. Anybody blame? Everybody else is responsible for me? You don't need Jesus, you don't need the Holy Spirit, you don't need anything. You just need a critical spirit. It's easy. The weeds just grow. But with the Holy Spirit, he goes, don't let them set your agenda. Let my spirit release heaven on earth in the midst of everything else. So it's humbling. So the, the, the peace that brings division is this conflict between the two kingdoms. And it's part of the world we live in. Here's a clip that I've shown before. I just, I love this clip. It's, uh, I think, just one of those, if we can play it. From Blood Diamond. So what's that about? That's about a boy who's been abducted. And he's been so traumatized that he begins to behave in a way that actually is not consistent with who he is at all. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does in us when he comes to release his peace or whatever gifts they are, he sometimes has to awaken in us what has got lost. See, when we try and do things in our own strength, we become like that little boy. We become angry, become violent, we point guns at people. And the Holy Spirit will come to us and say, this is not who you are. Whereas Graham McCook says, this is not the best version of yourself. 
And he has to speak into our spirits and say, you are my son, you are my daughter, this is who you are. You have been raised up to be this person. You are all the good things that I have placed in you. Why are you doing this? And the Holy Spirit in us to one another is meant to reveal who God calls us to be. And sometimes there's hard ground in our hearts and he starts saying, that's come from a place where you've gone to a place that you needn't go anymore. Let my seeds come into you and let me begin to change you from the inside. You can't do this yourself. You cannot do this yourself. The only, w- the only thing we can do is acknowledge where we need help. That's what the repentance is about. It's all about just saying, God, I'm sorry, I've got all this anger in me and I don't know what to do with it. I ask you to forgive me. I forgive people who have made me angry and I just say, will you bring your healing into me? That's me taking responsibility from me. I cannot do this without your Spirit in me. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, to release the seed of your Spirit. I give you my heart and I make it as fertile as I can. I take responsibility and say, Lord, will you plant it so it can grow? And I'm going to actually look after it. I'm going to treasure it. I'm believing you that you're going to place peace in me right now. And I'm going to say thank you for your peace. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that everything I face in the future, you're with me and I'm going to trust you day by day. So I'm not going to worry. But I'm going to try and prepare. And I'm going to walk in faith and try and prepare. It's all I can do. So I've told you before, I have no idea what I'm going to do when I leave Jericho Road. There's a vulnerability and there's a fear in there. And I, so... I'm building a, a door into a room in my house to, to be an office because I think I might try an office in counseling. I'm trying to do what I can do without fear but with faith. It's all I can do. And all we can do is do things that actually... I mean, so, so what happens in my mindset anyway is I just improve my house. So I win either way. And that's what we can do as we follow Jesus and as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We do things that show him that we want to be co-laborers and he can change along the way, but at least I'm engaging in it and I'm not just waiting. And I find that if I'm just waiting, I just get more anxious. So it's easier to do something. And he knows my heart and he knows my journey as he knows yours. So you do what you can. But you don't do it out of a place of panic. You just do it out of a place of preparation. Whatever that looks like at the time. And see what happens with the Holy Spirit. And so what the Holy Spirit does for us so many of times, like that boy, he reminds us of areas where we have actually taken control of our lives. And he says, lay that down. It's getting in the way of where we're going. And that's where the faith is required. And we all need voices to speak to us and remind us of who we are. We all need voices that begin to say, this is who you are. And when God's Holy Spirit is birthed in you and the grass is beginning to grow, there will be a change. And there is peace. A peace that says, I don't have to strive for this. I'm going to rest in this and do what I can and entrust you with the rest. And you know what? Even if I make mistakes, it's not the end of the world. Because we see the disciples all the time making mistakes. 
And that's what happened with the, the men in the storm. They were terrified. Jesus wasn't furious with them. He said, why are you so afraid? I think if you were doing a movie, maybe you'd have him smiling, not beating them up. But they're learning. They're learning that he is with them and that he can be trusted. So peace is a person. Because it's in places of peace that we make better decisions. It's in places of peace that we can hear better. It's in places of peace that we actually are far more powerful in the world in which we live. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us to know how we can nurture what he has planted in us. Because if, you know, when we have communion, which we're about to do, communion looks like grass seed. It's a wafer and a bit of wine. It's been the meal that has gathered, Christians have gathered around for nearly 2,000 years. There's an enormous mystery in this meal. It's very easy, and I keep on saying here, you know, when we take communion, don't talk to people. Come up with a sort of reverence. Come up and say, Father, I want to take this meal because in it there is a mystery. And I'm not going into sort of Catholic theology. I'm just saying there is a mystery that in this you have given a promise of something sustaining what's in me that I don't know how it works, but it, it's, I need it. And you give me the symbol because I need symbols. And so I'm taking hold of it and I'm going to receive it. And I'm going to say, this is not just this wafer and wine. Jesus, this is your presence. And I'm not going down the theology of the, you know, I'm not getting into that. I'm merely just saying, taking these simple things that don't look anything like what we think they should look like, but that's how God works. Most of the stuff that he presents is humble, is easily accessible to everyone. He's already paid the price. And so as we gather together, as we come to him this morning around the communion table, we can come and say, Father, these are the areas that I just, I think I need more of you. I need to, help me. And he might be speaking to you. He might be saying to you, you need to let go of this. You need to repent of this. Or you need to take hold of this. But I'm here as your friend to encourage you. You ask my Holy Spirit to be present. You ask for revival. You ask for the power of my presence to be here. Well, this is what it looks like. In you, in order to be through you. In you, in order to be through you. It's always how it works. No condemnation. No guilt. Just an invitation to let the master gardener do the gardening. So let's uh, gather and share in communion.